Shalom, Mishpocha. This is Sid Roth. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with a very supernatural guest. And now, here's your host for this program. It's supernatural television producer, Jackie Duval. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Pastor Kim Owens. Pastor Kim and her husband, Paul, are senior pastors of Fresh Start Church in Arizona, and her heart's desire is to gather believers around an encounter with the Holy Spirit, unite them in the kingdom purpose, and lead the church back to the altars for a life-changing encounter with God. Welcome, Pastor Kim. Thank you, Jackie. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you so much. It's great having you with us. And um, your church has been in revival for several years, but take us back to 1997, where God called you guys to that church to start pastoring uh, with the intent of um, being doorkeepers of revival there. Yes, absolutely. So um, my husband and I have been here a total of 24 years now, and we did come in March of 1997, and we had done uh, other types of ministry, pastoral work, you know, associate and youth pastors and things like that. So this was our first lead pastoral role, or I guess senior pastoral role, whatever terminology you uh, prefer to use. And so we were just kind of coming into it with some experience, but then, you know, with a lot to learn. But one of the one of the awesome things um, that the Lord had orchestrated, we see even more now, the dynamic of it, is uh, the founding pastors of this church were the second pastors, and so the ones, of course, that paved the way for us. Uh, they were um, they were revivalists at heart. Uh, they were evangelists by function uh, uh, in part of their ministry, and then founded this church and. So there was already a spirit of revival alive in the, you know, the, the smaller congregation that was here when we arrived here. And, but they were ready for, you know, more. They were ready for change. They were ready for, you know, it was, it was definitely orchestrated by the Lord. We see that the Lord's hand in it at that moment and even more now, you know, all these years later with what God has done. But what we didn't see then that we see very clearly now was um, the mantle and the assignment for this territory, really, and even now the nation. But specifically, um, you know, Arizona, the Southwest region, to hold the door open for revival, that the heart of the founding pastors was just for the glory of the Lord to uh, be pervasive on this property and on this territory and on this city and um, on this uh, this this region, this state. And um, the Lord knew. He knew what uh, he needed to happen. He had to take us on a bit of a journey to get to where we are now. Uh, but uh, he just placed us here for such a time as this. And when I say for such a time as this, it, it wasn't really so much for 1997 as it was for 2015 and forward to where we are now, uh, when revival broke out in 2015 to where we are now. And the assignment started then. The mantle was put in motion then. And kind of one of the significant tangible things that happened, Jackie, uh, with our former pastors to us is they literally, they passed a literal um, burning torch to us. Um, it was it was homemade, it was handmade, but you know it had some 
some oil in it that would burn, and uh, they put, I don't know, like saran wrap, I'm not saran wrap, but Reynolds wrap or something on it, you know, to make it look like a torch. And um, it was just this the, this symbolism and the significance of the moment of transferring that fire. And what we didn't realize in that moment was literally, literally, we would see that um, as we are now, the fire of God, the fire of Pentecost erupting through uh, this church, through this ministry, of course, you know, uh, with the uh, guidance of my husband and I and all the wonderful people around us. But um, that mantle was set in motion. That torch that was lit never died. Sometimes it seemed like it was just a flicker, but the Lord was faithful, and uh, as we stayed faithful. And like I said, he had to take us on a journey, and there was lots of ups and downs and ins and outs and uh, all this kind of stuff, but he was always there with us until, you know, the birthing moment came for revival. And so um, that's kind of our beginning here, and uh, revival was in the DNA of a church already and was in us as well. And so the two collided uh, in 1997, and, uh, um, you know, and we've been writing the, the history ever since. So we're very, very thankful for that, though. Oh, that's awesome. Now, what are some keys to the revival that you are seeing now? Um, what what led you to this? Was it, I think it, you said it in the book, it was prayer and intercession and worship and making declarations. Can you uh, teach a little bit on that? Yeah, so, so in, in the bursting, um, now I'll just say this and we may get into it a little bit uh, in a moment as well in another context, but, you know, our heart and our, we feel our assignment is sustained revival. Revival history shows us that revivals have been, you know, two years, three years, five years, some longer. Um, you know, there have been movements that have been started that have outlasted the actual outpourings, I guess you could say. With that sustained revival paradigm and revelation, there is a birthing, there is a building, and then there's the sustaining of that. And so what you're referring to now would be like the birthing process uh, or the birthing of what God has has and is doing here uh, at Fresh Start. Um, and the vital elements, vital, vital, non-negotiable elements of that is prayer, hunger, prayer, and fasting. Of course, the Word of God is woven throughout all of those. We I never leave the Word of God is living. It's it's eternal. Um, that weaves through all of those, you know. But you've got to go back to the to the heart uh, of the individual, especially if pastors are listening now, because revival will go no further in a local church than what the pastor wants it to go. And that's really the heart of my husband and I to really be able to light and spark a significant flame of revival and Pentecost in the hearts of pastors and leaders. It doesn't mean it can't happen in the believers, but really it's not going to go any further in structure and pervading it, the church, until the pastor really gets that. And the birthing of that starts with prayer and hunger and, of course, fasting alongside of that. And that's where we started. There's a story, it's kind of long and involved, but we had quite a season, about a decade, of, of just what seemed like unrelenting uh, attacks. 
They were physical. They were spiritual. They were corporate in our church. You know what I'm saying? Congregationally, they were. It was just. It was just pervasive. And they, like I said, they came against us personally. It was. It was uh, physically, but it was also emotionally and mentally. You know, as leaders, and um, that's obviously uh, indicative of your your press and your push. You know, into the more of what God has, more than nominal, more than just status quo, more than just predictable church kind of thing. You know, and so the enemy's going to fight that. He's going to fight your press for more, you know, um, but you persevere. And as you do, you're pushing in hunger and you're pushing in pursuit. And we had come to a place where we were just, we we're very frustrated. We we're very um, discouraged uh, in ministry, very discouraged here. We were here, obviously, uh, um, at Fresh Start here in Phoenix. And, um, but the Lord did a work in us. And, and uh, there's a story behind that, but we had kind of come to I call it a watershed moment, a watershed moment where it's going to go one way or the other, you know, and uh, we had some voices that spoke into our life in that season, uh, actually from our staff that was around us at that time. And they just really begin to prophesy into us life. They begin to prophesy into our destiny. They begin to prophesy what they saw in us uh, with the spirit of revival and the mantle of revival and the voice of revival. Um, and that, I'm telling you, when someone, if you can get someone to help you see past your pain to your purpose, then it will catapult you, you know, into what God has. Because your pain is never about the moment. It's about what God's moving you into. And I see that clearly now, but I couldn't see it then because, you know, just the discouragement, the disappointment, and the delay and all of these things, you know, that come against you. So at, after that moment of that watershed moment, for lack of a better way to, to talk about it or call it, uh, we begin to press, we begin to push, we begin to pray, we begin to uh, we begin to hunger, we begin to have a desperation, or it led us into a desperation, I guess I should say. And that's where you have to get. You have to get a desperation. Desperation is something you can't fake. You know what I'm saying? It's something you cannot fake. It's something that, that you're moved into because of circumstantial things around you. And that's where we were. We were at a place of extreme desperation. And, you know, we live in a desert about here in Phoenix. And, um, you know, deserts are very dry uh, in, in, you know, the ge- geographical whatever that makes up deserts and uh, very, very dry, very low humidity all the time, pretty much out here. And it's, you can see in the natural out here, what we uh, were living in, in that season of our life in the spirit and spiritually. And, you know, if you're, if you're thirsty enough in a desert, you're going to be, you're going to be desperate to find water. You're going to be desperate to find an oasis. You're going to be desperate to find, you know, if you're hungry, find food. And you just parallel that spiritually. And that's where we were precisely where we were about 2012, the end of 2012 and moving into 2013. And right at that moment, we begin to cry out to God, Jackie, and we begin to ask God for more. And we begin to pursue Jesus. We begin to pursue him in intimacy and repentance, in humbling ourselves and saying, God, we don't want any other kind of gimmicks to grow our church or to to feed us or we're tired of entertaining people, you know, trying to beg people to come to church. We need a move of God. We need an outpouring. And here's kind of how I like to describe it is once you begin to pray like that, it fuels the hunger. And once the hunger is fueled, it, it, it makes you pray more. And when you pray more, it fuels more hunger. 
and then it keeps going. It keeps going, keeps going. And with that, there's a weight of his presence that comes because God will not ignore, Jesus will not ignore a hungry cry. And that's where we began. Of course, we coupled it with fasting, uh, you know, as well. And, um, you know, just intense times, we begin to prioritize prayer in our personal lives. We begin to preach that to our congregation. We begin to prioritize it on our calendar here at our church. Um, and we still do. And that's that's how we birthed it. And um, there is a continual birthing, but yet that's how we initially birthed revival. And um, if you bring it full circle, that's how you sustain it. Now, there's a lot in between those two, but that's how you sustain it. You can never, ever, ever outgrow prayer, hunger, and fasting with the Word of God uh, running through that. So um, that's pretty much it there. And it stirs me even as I talk about it. Wow, that's so amazing. And what are some of the results you're seeing? I know there's there's been healings, deliverances, radical salvations that people that were ex-prisoners, now they're radical for Jesus. Tell us a few of the things that are happening as a result of this. Yeah, I'll talk about those guys and girls first, but the ex-prisoners had lives of, of um drug addiction, alcohol addiction, and, you know, substance abuse of all different kinds of lives and stuff like that. We have we have a number of those. It just seems like the Lord has just brought that. Uh, Jackie has just brought that kind of a harvest to us. Um, and when I say that kind of a harvest, I mean, it's just, you know, for, for the purpose of definition. Um, and it's kind of been like a chain reaction with them. I mean, you know, once one of them gets born again and set free, man, as aggressive as they were in the world for the devil, they become that for Jesus, you know? And we've seen that in multiple, I mean, just multiplied in many lives, uh, men and women alike, um, at different age ages, you know, younger, middle age. But they have testimonies, and obviously I can't give their testimonies as good as they can, but um, just where they were totally sold out um, to to the devil, really, to the enemy. And um, he, the, the strongholds that they had given themselves over, um, you know, that have resulted in, uh, or that, you know, through substance abuse and through uh, violence and, and uh, lives of crime and, you know, just, I mean, all of those kind of things. And, um, you know, there's obviously people are, are driven to that kind of stuff because of brokenness in their life, you know. And so when they were, when they were introduced to the Lord, through revival here um, and the altars that we have because altars are uh, a big priority in our church and they should be uh, in revival. You can't have revival if you don't have altars, that place of encounter. And so when they would come, they would be invited and some of them, Jackie, would be like fresh out of, of prison. I mean, just like like a day or or a week or a weekend or something. You know, they'd be fresh out of prison, and their their buddies or whatever would bring them. You know, to to revival, and they would get they would get absolutely supernaturally touched in the altars. Um, some of them having that kind of encounter for the first time in their life, or the first time in a very long time in their life, and just um, out under the power of God. Some of them received um, prophetic words uh, that kind of would be like read their mail, as we say, you know, uh, in our Pentecostal circles. And that was a sign and wonder for them. You know, it was a sign to them. Hey, you know, how did they know this kind of thing? You know, and the Lord would just be gracious like that to show them his love, you know, and then through that encounter that we know is a supernatural exchange, 
the Lord would set them free and, and he would, would um, um, you know, fill them with, uh, save them and then baptize them in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And, you know, uh, several of them are in our mantled school of revival now. Uh, they're getting ready to graduate from our school of revival. Um, and it, it, it almost brings me to tears even as I'm talking about it because they're, they're coming out of all of these, you know, and even horrible family situations and things like that. And now they feel called to preach or, you know, they want to be evangelists, you know, or whatever they want to go out and win their uh, uh, people that they used to run with, you know, which are still doing that, you know, as the Lord graces them and gives them favor um, in those relationships that they used to have. But I mean, there's been radical, radical turns and turnarounds in people that have had those types of paths. We've also had, um, we've had a number of people, Jackie, that, that used to be in alternative lifestyles, homosexuality and lesbianism um, that have come in and have uh, had their lives totally transformed and changed. And uh, uh, one particular is now married with two children. Um, one is getting married uh, here this year um, and uh, to, uh, you know, their spouse, uh, husband and wife. And another is, you know, just been faithfully coming set free from that alternative lifestyle. They've given their testimonies and just, you know, living uh, gloriously in peace and in joy of who God created them and how God created them, free from that perversion and free from that um, lifestyle. And I mean, it's once again in our Mantle School of Revival, getting ready to graduate from that, serving in different capacities of the church in leadership uh, positions now. And they are all products of revival. We call them products of revival. And then finally, um, there's numerous healings that have had taken place over the last uh, almost six years. Some of them have been things, you know, such as, as, as what we might say, quote, small as migraines, even though that's a, a big deal to people that have them. But um, but others, we had uh, early in the revival, we had a deaf ear open. And um, a little bit later on in, in uh, one of our uh, young men who had actually been coming to the church for a number of years here from, from a, a, a young teenager, um, he had uh, contracted an illness that affected all of the organs of his body um, a few years ago, about three or four years ago, I think it was now. And um, it, it really, I mean, he was very much at death's door. They literally had him in a, in a coma, a medical coma for a good bit. Um, he had a, a praying wife who was one of our lead intercessors here. She had really not known. She was newly saved here into the church. Um, that happened kind of before revival had broken out, but still she was by his side. Um, Jackie just praying the word, praying, not giving up, very tenacious intercessor. And then, of course, we were here at the church as well. But it was during one of the revival meetings, in one of the evening meetings, he was in a wheelchair because everything that had affected his organs also affected his ability uh, to walk. And um, um, that night, uh, in in the in the altar, he was prayed for uh, by the evangelist that night, and uh, he got up and he walked. He took his first steps. Um, that was the beginning of his progressive miracle. And today, uh, he's one of our sound techs, and he walks on his own. He has like like a um, uh, little things that give him strength that he wears on his, his feet and his ankles there. But other than that, uh, he walks on his own, and it's an absolute 
uh, true miracle uh, that God has done in his life. Uh, it was something took place that night in the altar, but ever since then, it has been progressively, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit has progressively been strengthening him, and uh, he's walking today. And so, like I said, there's been numerous others, healings and backs, and then, um, you know, from, from allergies and from, uh, you know, uh, uh, shoulders and, and things that were uh, out of place, heart issues and other issues such as arthritis and things like that that have been healed and touched. Uh, many people baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so this is what Jesus does if you give him time uh, to break in, and that's what revival is. So that's some of our testimonies and our pro- uh, products of revival over the last six years. Wow, that's amazing. And I, th- and I think it's amazing, too, what God's doing in the children in your church. Tell us a little bit about that. Your children and our teenagers actually are amazing. I'll start with the children first, but our children's pastor uh, and our and our youth pastors as well, as well as the rest of our staff. When when we when revival broke out here in 2015, it was an outpouring, which that's how most revivals start is an outpouring. But then we very quickly realized within a few months of the revival that this needed this was this was an outpouring, but it was also an assignment. Um, it was an assignment, Jackie, that for the larger body of Christ, Pentecostal churches especially, uh, spirit-filled churches, that you can build a healthy local church and have a move of God. Many people think that you you know you can't do that because of because of some of the systems and church growth things that have been you know have been have been uh, uh, put forth and propagated over the last couple of decades. It's almost like you have to do without a move of God in your corporate settings in order to have a growing healthy church, and that's not true. It's not Book of Acts at all. They had both, and what we began to quickly see is that the upper room that we had made in 2013 and 2014 through our prayer and our hunger had resulted in an outbreak of an outpouring. And now we were faced with the assignment to build a healthy, growing, thriving local church that ministered to families and children and and, uh, parents and their families and their children, as well as host and steward and um, pastor a move of God and a revival on an ongoing basis. So in order for that to happen, we realized that it had to run through every thread of our church. It could not just be in our Sunday morning services or our special services that we had. It had to run through every fiber of our church, every ministry, every department. And so our youth and our young adults and our children um, and, and, and uh, small groups, you just name it, all throughout, began to take on this identity and this, this the burden of the Lord for this. Specifically in the children first, um, our children's pastor uh, began to, to put forth in the children everything that we were giving the adults. And she began to have uh, simultaneously, uh, uh, once again, having to leave out a lot of details here, but when we had our revival weekends, there would be kids' revival. Now, the youth and young adults were in the main service, but at the same time, the children were being taught and experiencing altars and the Word of God and revival fire, just like the adults and the young adults and the teenagers. And so you that was from really pretty much the get-go of this, the onset uh, of, of the outbreak of the Fresh Start Revival. So you fast forward to where we are now, and we have we have a company of company of children revivalists, and that is not an understatement. Um, uh, 
it is or over overestimate I'm sorry it is absolutely not they they know how to flow in prophetic worship and prayer on a regular basis in their in their um, children's services not even on our revival weekends but also just every time they come together they have altar calls they understand the flow of altar calls, the flow of prophetic. They understand how to pray. Uh, there are many of them, many of them, even as young as four years old, are baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And I say that uh, uh, very personally because my grandson, my oldest grandson, is baptized in the Holy Ghost at the age of four. And so he's seven now at the age of four. And this is happening on a regular basis. Majority of our children that are of age to understand are baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence speaking in tongues. They pray. They pray for healings. Uh, they pray for um, uh, other children to be saved, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They lead in worship. Um, they teach them how um, to preach uh, and to share uh, a teaching and a preaching. And um, uh, she teaches them how to hear God in their secret place. Uh, they've done much teaching to the children about their secret place. How, is that? how valuable is that, you know, um, for a child to really really understand what their secret place is, you know, their their personal time and their private time with God. As a result of that, it's built faith in the children. They understand faith. Faith is I, I exercise my faith, then this my friend can get healed, you know. Uh, my my mom can be healed. My parents' marriage can be put back together. Um, you know, my my loved one can be saved, and 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 I can uh, pray for them to come to church. You know, lost parents and family members, etc. Um, one significant miracle that has happened in in a, one of the families um, here was the child um, was diagnosed with autism a few years ago. I think he's eight years old now. And I believe it was around three that he was diagnosed and they began to pray over him and specifically his older sister began to pray over him. And actually my children's pastor just showed me this video just this week. And I had not seen it until this week of his older sister when he was three years old, laying her hands on his head and praying over him. He was actually asleep. He didn't know what was going on. He was only three. And she was laying his hands on his head and praying, praying the blood of Jesus, praying, you know, speaking and prophesying over his mind and over his over his body. And just this last um, Doorkeepers of Revival weekend that we had, this, this little guy who's eight years old now, he was one of our children that led one of the services in pre-service prayer um, he, for a probably about 10 minutes or so he, he prayed up there in the microphone in front of adults um, in, in a congregation with loud music and others praying out loud and stuff. And so if you know anything about autism, you know that that right there is a true, true miracle. But there's been other miracles that they've seen in the children's ministry. One little child was something like lactose intolerant and the children gather around and begin to pray over and that child and is no longer suffering with it. And there's other uh, uh, testimonies of, you know, just uh, uh, salvations and uh, homes and things like that, uh, that they begin to agree, agree with their uh, their friends for their um, loved ones to be saved. Uh, there was a, a certain child that was failing in school, and they, they, as a children's ministry, prayed for her. She couldn't read at the level that she was supposed to read. And now she, the grade that she's in, she's reading at two grades that are higher than that. Um, so I, I see 
seizures. Uh, they've had children set free from seizures, you know, back pain and things like that. Just so you're seeing just them be, uh, you know, from all the way up there, they go through sixth grade, from preschool to sixth grade, and you're just seeing children be able to understand what it means to pray for healing and miracles and salvations and deliverance and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And so I, I, I go now to our, our youth and our young adults, because um, the revival here at Fresh Start in 2015, in August of 2015, we had been moving into it for uh for a couple of years, two or three years, um, in prayer and in hunger and in push. But really our youth and our young adult, Jackie, they have been such a catalyst in this. And, you know, now we're almost six years into it from the uh, in, uh, initial um, outpouring that happened. But they are still, and some of those now are young adults married and have started having children, you know, um, but but back up all of those years. And they were just hungry teenagers, hungry teenagers, uh, 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 prodded on and, and, and provoked, if you will, in a good way by their leadership, the youth pastors, to press for more of God, more than just youth services with games and, you know, carnal activities. Not that, you know, we're opposed to having fun and all that kind of stuff, but they wanted them to understand you need to encounter God, you know. So they began to do that. And our, this revival actually broke out. The, the outpouring happened in a youth and young adult conference called Invade in August of 2015. And I wanted to give special recognition to them because if you if you see us uh, in, uh, online or if you come and visit us here, you will see, and this is significant, you will see the millennials and whatever it is that is the ages underneath the millennials, you will see them flooding the sanctuary in the front part of this church, worshiping passionately, worshiping God and, and pursuing God and having supernatural encounters uh, with God in the altars. And once again, much of the same of, of their own personal life and their secret place and stuff like that that we see in our children. Um, same with miracles and some of them coming on their own with their parents don't even come, you know, to church. Um, but it's just been a raw, radical pursuit of the Lord. And our young adults have been and still are catalysts of that. And many of them products of revival coming in, like I said, even without their parents. And it has just been so it has been phenomenal to see. So because there's so many that struggle, Jackie, in getting those generations in church and, and making them stay. And here's the answer. Give them the power of the Holy Ghost, because that's what they're looking for. Give them an encounter in the altars, because that's what they're looking for. And so that's kind of the story of our of our uh, products of revival and our, our youth and our children. And it's just always a blessing to talk about that. Wow, that, that is awesome. And now, what would you say to the people listening, and they want to experience um, and encounter God in their own homes? Can you teach them a little bit how to encounter God? Most definitely. Well, I you know, it's 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 more of the same. Everything that I've talked about that we've experienced in our corporate settings, it begins in our private time, because your corporate setting is going to rise to the level that your your people, your your congregation. I'm talking in a local church setting, obviously, the families um, understand. It's going to rise to the level that they understand how much they have to do so in their personal time, and that really. Jackie, if I can kind of bring this full circle back up to when we first started pushing into revival, which happened to be 2013, that was our year of pursuit. That was our year I mentioned a few moments ago where we just began to 
pour ourselves into hunger for God and pour ourselves into uh, to intimacy, into repentance, into into asking God to purify us and to consecrate us and to uh, to bring it to come close. And we didn't just do that here together. That was obviously very important, but it was it was a it was a personal pursuit and. Then families begin to do that together, you know, uh, going to our children's ministry again. One of the one of the significant things that she does that they do there is they have what they call pastoring your kids. And she she gives them um, um, uh, uh, certain like, you know, papers and things like that to do this with your children, do this with your teenagers, do this with your as a family, this kind of thing. So all of this was kind of happening simultaneously simultaneously. And then, of course, we would preach that from the pulpit as well, you know, as far as the power of the secret place, the power of praying together, uh, the power of coming together, the power of, you know, God in your homes. And man, I mean, there are, there are numerous testimonies of of families, you know, praying together, seeing this happen in their home, seeing that happen in their home, and, uh, uh, you know, as a result of praying in their family, you know, and things like that. And uh, so my answer to your question, the, the, the bottom line, is whatever you have to do, prioritize that secret place. Prioritize it. Um, you know, so many, so many um, things have made us. Um, how do I say? They made us justify that a little time with God, and then yet we expect Him to do a big move. That that doesn't equate, you know. And I'm not trying to be legalistic about it, but at the same time, there's a principle there. How hungry are you? You know, how hungry, how desperate are you really? I mean, that's a question we have to answer because that's where it starts. It starts in your personal time. This will, this will affect your family time, you know, and then those together will affect our corporate times when we come together. So everything is the, it's the same principle in the home as it is corporately. You have to get into the word. You have to get into that, that, that intimate, um, pursuit of Jesus and 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 of His presence, and then incorporate that with your children to your children as well, and and it explodes, and this brings homes and houses of revival, absolutely positively guaranteed. It brings homes and houses and families of revival. That's what it does. That's so good. And you wrote a book called Doorkeepers of Revival. Can you tell us what that will do to those who um, read that? Absolutely. I've shared a good bit of our story, uh, not all the details. They are a lot of them contained in the book, Doorkeepers of Revival. I wrote the book, Jackie. Um, I wrote the book for pastors, leaders, and hungry believers that desire more of God and have been maybe caught in what they feel like is this is all there is now. Um you know, what I call nominal, what I call a status quo, what I call predictable church and predictable Christianity, going through the motions, carnal parameters around us that have drawn very low standards, you know, for the activity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, many who have shut him out and have um, uh, decreased the activity of the Holy Spirit in, in corporate services, not to mention, of course, their own personal lives. Much of the stuff that has been propagated in the last couple of decades, uh, and I'm speaking specifically to the Spirit-filled Church, um, has literally left us, Jackie, at a deficit of the Spirit in our corporate meetings. Um, we've developed protocols that have um, uh, are predictable and protocols that are 
uh, for programs and not for power, uh, power of God, power of the Holy Spirit. Um, it has resulted in some level of humanistic success. When I say humanistic, I mean in human mindsets of success. In the exterior, it may look uh, successful, but there is a great shallowness and deficit in the spirit. Um, I wrote Lord Keepers of Revival for probably two or three years in in the whole you know overall time period. And we were it well into revival at that point. And as time went on, I saw even clearer, Jackie, the need for the revelation that God wants, Jesus wants, there to be doorkeepers of revival in every region and territory in this nation and the nations of the earth. What is a doorkeeper? A doorkeeper is one who holds the door open for the move of God for the presence and the power of God on a sustained basis in my life, my family, my church, my city, my region, my territory, my nation. That's what a doorkeeper is. What are we doing? We are allowing access for the full reign and working of the power of God and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. Our programs can't do it. Our systems can't do it. Our paradigms can't do it. Our carnal thought processes cannot produce what our nation needs, especially right now. But if he has those who will hold the door open, this is a spiritual door, obviously. But, you know, the church is the gate of heaven. We're the gate of heaven. We're the door of heaven. And God needs someone who will stand at attention in every territory to the host of heaven and to the power of God and say, I will not leave. I will not leave this post. I will not leave this doorpost. I will not leave this door. I will do what I have to do in prayer, in worship, in fasting. I will stand at this territory, and I will announce to the principalities and powers of darkness that the Holy Spirit is the ruling spirit in this city, and that God is the one, Jehovah God, Jesus Christ is the one that is is worshipped, and he is, he is Lord. He is king over this territory. And as we do that with our proclamations, as we do that with our intercession and our declarations, as we do that with our worship, as we do that with our continual pushing and pressing in the spirit, we literally are holding that spiritual door open for Holy Spirit activity. And this is the spirit of revival. This is the assignment of revival, is for a congregation, a group, not just one, but many in territories that will say we will be the entry point for the power of God to come into this into this territory. It comes out in all different ways. We're still growing in it, but it comes out manifest, I guess you could say, in all different ways. Obviously, there's going to be a move of God and an outpouring, and that has to be stewarded. And I talk about that in Doorkeepers of Revival, specifically within the context, Jackie, of the local church. See, the Lord put that burden on my heart because of how the, how much of a deficit of Holy Spirit activity we were seeing, especially in our Pentecostal um, Spirit-filled churches. And so there will be there will be a stewarding of that. There will be a pastoring of that. There will be an apostolic oversight of that. And I go into you know several several ways and and things that it takes to sustain that, to build it, and to sustain that. But the primary revelation is that I commit to holding this door open to the activity of heaven in this city, in this region, 
and yes in the nation. And that's what a doorkeeper is. And once again, a lot more to be said on it, but that's why I wrote the book. I definitely felt the burden because I am a pastor. My husband and I, you know, we are preachers, we are teachers, and felt the burden for local churches and for pastors and for those who sit and serve in those churches um, to really be able to understand how to fully steward. When God sends an outpouring, we need to be responsible with it. Okay, when God sends a manifestation of his spirit, let's not just say, oh, that was just one good service. You know, it may not happen next week. How about we contend for it all the time? And that's what a doorkeeper does. A doorkeeper contends for the for the continual moving of the Holy Spirit. And what that looks like and sounds like, it should anyway to everyone, is how Jesus launched his church in the book of Acts. And that's how what he's coming back for. Jesus is coming back for a church that's in revival. He's coming back for a church that is on fire, that is burning with passion for his person and for his purposes, a burning heart, a, a heart of zeal, a zeal for his house, zeal for the harvest, um, and for everything that he has purposed in the end times uh, to come to pass, just as he needs it to come to pass. That's what a doorkeeper is. And so that's why I wrote the book. And um, a lot of uh, in there uh, that, that speaks to the individual believers, but also speaks to corporate uh, local churches as well, how to how to host revival and uh, and continue into it until Jesus comes back. That's it. Wow, that that is so powerful. And we're running out of time, but can you um, pray for the listeners now that they'll be able to encounter God and be doorkeepers of revival? I most definitely will. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I just impart a hunger. I pray for a hunger right now over all of those who are listening. Let the weight of the glory of God let the weight of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit fall upon them now. Let it rest upon them now. Let them feel your tangible weightiness, I pray, oh God. Where they are, wherever they're listening, I pray, oh Lord. Father, I pray that the burden of the Lord would be upon them, Lord, to host revival, to birth it and to host it, oh God. Lord, in their own personal lives, in their families in their churches, in their cities, in their regions, and in our nation, oh God. Jesus, you are coming back for a burning church, a burning church, a church on fire. Lord, that's how you birthed your church. They were on fire. They, they had tongues of fire on their head, Lord. And that's what you're coming back for, a church that is burning with passion, Lord God, that is victorious, and that is in a, walking in authority and walking in passionate intimacy, hungering for more of you. So Jesus, I pray for that impartation right now. I pray for a spirit of revelation to fall upon on the hearers and the listeners right now, God. Pray for a spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of you, Father, to fall upon them. Right now in the atmosphere that they are in, dwelling in, Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name that you would just encompass them, O oh Lord, with a hunger and a desperation like they have never had before for your person and your purposes. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Amen. You've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guest, Pastor Kim Owens. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get the special resource. Pastor Kim Owens and her husband have been experiencing revival at their church for six years now. In her brand new book, Doorkeepers of Revival, you will learn step by step what they did to see revival in their church. This book is also for every believer who wants to see a move of God in their own homes, in their own lives, in their own families. In her brand new and exclusive three-part audio teaching series, Igniting Revival in Your Home, 
Pastor Kim will mentor you one-on-one -on, -one on how to see a move of God in your home, in your family. She'll also pray prayers of impartation over you and your family. Call now for Pastor Kim's brand new book, Doorkeepers of Revival, and her brand new and exclusive three-part audio teaching series, Igniting Revival in Your Home, for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9756. Once again, that's offer number 97. 56.